Hello and welcome to the Methods Podcast. My name is Hannah Pinnock and this is a special episode to celebrate International Women's Day. Today I'll be talking to Alison Palmer, Head of Marketing at Methods, and Sarah Rudston, Data Engineer at Methods Analytics. We will be talking about resilience. This episode was recorded on the 4th of March. So Alison, Sarah, thank you for agreeing to be part of this conversation to mark International Women's Day 2021. Uh, Today we're going to be exploring the topic of resilience and um, this topic certainly to, to me feels incredibly important given the last 12 months and how COVID has really changed our personal landscapes. Um, But it is also a topic that feels uh, very relevant to me and close to my heart and one I've spent quite a lot of time thinking about in light of a particularly traumatic year, both professionally and personally, a couple of years ago. To start us off, I thought I would share how resilience is defined. Um, So the Oxford English Dictionary states that resilience is the ability of people or things to recover quickly after something unpleasant, such as shock, injury, etc. The emphasis here on a quick recovery feels particularly problematic to me, and I I think it downplays the importance of of properly processing uh, events, particularly the uh, emotional and psychological impacts of, of that unpleasant thing, whatever it may be. Sarah, I know that for you, the concept of resilience is quite problematic and, and you know, we've talked about um, how you think about resilience. And I just wondered if uh, maybe you wanted to kick us off with um, some of your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, first of all, it is pretty much exactly as you say that, you know, this, there's this term resilience that's got this dictionary definition that talks about people bouncing back quickly. Uh, but resilience as a word is is also used in such a broad variety of ways to describe all kinds of different situations and behaviours and skills and, and circumstances. And I, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like, you know, as a word, it's come up a lot more, particularly in the last year, where we are all now, you know, living in this kind of new reality, um, which has obviously been challenging for everybody, but challenging in completely different ways from person to person um and so i mean i started seeing more content about resilience on social media it came up a lot at work um just because now we're all working from home um you see it in the news you see it sort of everywhere really and um so from my perspective i think that you know it can be a problematic thing that you know so much focus can be put on bouncing back quickly and being seen to be, you know, resilient in in any set of circumstances, you're never allowed to sort of, you know, let your guard down almost. Um, but the the thing for me was that it's such a broad term that I always think that it's worth digging into it a little bit more, just to see what it is we actually mean when we talk about resilience. Um, and you know, we we discussed prior to this um, the three areas that I tended to come back to on resilience, and the first one is about context um so it's very much you know looking at what is happening in a particular situation that would affect someone's ability to deal with it um so it could be it could be any number of things it could be your finances it could be your housing situation it could be your job security it could be the impact of something like racism or sexism 
so taking a blanket approach to something like resilience kind of is is sort of bypassing the reality of those different situations which can be quite problematic the second thing is about um community um and that word community came up for me a lot because uh whenever you see sort of content or maybe workshops or maybe articles about resilience it tends to be quite a self-focused thing um you know personal resilience you know you know self self-care you know it, it's all about the self which is kind of again bypassing how important community is uh when you're even thinking about your own personal resilience because we we need each other's support in order to live well in order to to be resilient and it shouldn't be seen as this thing that's totally separate it shouldn't be seen as as something that's that's wrong or outside of resilience to need help from other people um and the third thing is looking at the fact that if you're wanting to maybe improve your own personal resilience that's it's not a one size fits all situation because what works for one person won't necessarily work for for somebody else um and and actually even digging into that further what works for you uh on one particular day or in one particular circumstance may not work at all on another day uh and that's that's actually very normal and that's another thing that we don't often see addressed when we talk about resilience um so i think it can be harmful to promote a sort of one size fits all mentality to resilience because you know somebody might be trying something in order to improve their resilience and it's not working and they'll be there thinking well what's wrong with me uh when when actually that's that's okay it just doesn't it doesn't work for them or they may be encouraged to actually maybe even turn away from things that that do work for them so it was those those three areas that i kept coming back to when thinking about resilience but it really was just about sort of broadening out the term and looking at what it is we really mean when we when we talk about it there's so much to unpack there and I, I'm really excited that we've got this time to, to do that today. Um, I think it's fascinating when you see in, uh, for example, job adverts, um, companies requesting uh, candidates to, to kind of come with a, I don't know, with a degree of resilience, although it's not kind of defined what that should look and feel like and, and how much resilience is, is acceptable to be able to work in that space or not. Um, that feels particularly problematic to me. I imagine if you are the kind of person that struggles with um, with resilience or, or, you know, in terms of, I don't know, having a particularly difficult home life or, you know, having had a traumatic event happen to you recently or, or uh, you know, struggling with mental health or whatever it is, surely that is it's an in inherently kind of um, non-inclusive approach to to hiring and and actually thinking about diversity and inclusion um within the uh, the realm of resilience and and how the the you know that interplay i think is 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 worth worth thinking about and that's obviously um you know methods and methods analytics where we are looking at diversity inclusion and belonging at the moment across across the companies and um and i think that's something that's that started to come up and and i'm sure we'll see more of um Alison, I know that you recently lost your mum, Margaret, to COVID, and I can imagine that is an experience that really no child is able to recover from quickly. Um, and so that definition from the Oxford English Dictionary really, um, I imagine, probably uh, maybe doesn't fit with your, your kind of understanding perception of resilience either. 
I just wanted to give you an opportunity to to tell us a bit more about about that. I, yeah, I think it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because well, I think there's a couple of things. I think talking about resilience almost seems like a longer term thing. So that you know, when often we describe people as resilient as somebody who is has maybe received a few knocks or is continuously working under difficult circumstances. Um, uh, and I think to your point around diversity and inclusion, you know that that would feel like an ongoing challenge that you would have to be resilient. And then the Oxford English Dictionary definition of 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 you know a traumatic event. And obviously, losing you know losing your mother is 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 traumatic. Um, but I think you know, would I say I was I was being resilient? Um, well, yes, probably because it it was traumatic. Um, but I think to Sarah's point around having community around you, um, my ability to you know, come back to work, you know, quite quickly afterwards was because I had the community of work around me as well. And that normality feeds into, you know, helping you to be resilient in that situation. And certainly a few colleagues said, oh, you know, I'm surprised you're back so soon. But actually, um, I found that I found that normality um, much easier. And I think one of the challenges that COVID has brought around with uh, with people dying is you, the the people that are left behind, the relatives and the friends and the people who are mourning the loss of loved ones, don't have those traditional um, ceremonies and processes and formalities in which to to go through the mourning process and and, and to process that grief. So I would certainly say that you know. Covid has 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 delivered that blow, and trying to find you know, one of the many blows, trying to find that outlet um, to process what you're thinking has been very challenging, um, very challenging for me. But also, um, having done a bit of reading around this as well, resilience, you know, is is something that that you that you learn as well, and because you know been on this planet quite a while you know you go through life's challenges and ups and downs and and of course you're just much more able to cope um and to be resilient uh if you've if you've you know experienced this so it, it is a resilience can be a, you know a, a learnt a learnt behavior a learnt thing that you know you will be all right and i think it's interesting as well that that you know the the perception and the reality of resilience is you know if somebody is very upset about something like the the death of a of a mother that that doesn't mean that they're not resilient you know it's because you, you my ability to you know function and and do my job and and carry on with all the other you know responsibilities i have in my life um you know that means i'm resilient but it doesn't mean that i don't weep quite a lot you know as well at other times you know but uh so i i, I also question this thing of there's the perception of of, <clears throat> of resilience and then the reality of resilience could be somebody who who is facing whatever trauma or ongoing challenge who might 
um, be extremely upset or ang you know angry or tearful or fed up, but it does not make them a, an unresilient person. It's just that that's their way of processing, uh, you know, that particular situation. Mm, I really like thinking about it in those terms of of um, developing your skills, uh, your your ability, your 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 tool toolkit to manage manage life's knocks um, as you as you go through life, and you know, presumably you get better at it as you go through. Um, uh, I think, yeah, just I mean that the ability to recover from from something. Uh, I remember reading once about um, how everyone kind of has a baseline, sort of a, a, a stable state of happiness. And there was some study that was done, and I can't remember any of the details, except that um, throughout mapping these people throughout life, um, despite what life threw at them, despite the various challenges they experienced through heartbreak and loss and grief and, you know, job changes and city changes and all that, people's level of happiness remains fairly stable from one from one year to the next irrespective of their of, of life's challenges um and it feels like resilience is part of that picture because am i happy at this particular level you know standard level of happiness because i've got i've developed those tools and i can cope with these particular knocks um but then again, I think about the way that resilience, uh, our resilience changes from one moment in time to the next. You know, one week you might be feeling uh, particularly strong and then something happens and actually you feel, um, you know, like your your resilience has been compromised and, and actually you need to sort of invest the time to to kind of re regain it. I don't know, maybe it's a maybe there are kind of micro changes in your resilience you know through through the kind of days and weeks and months and then kind of long term your happiness remains stable um i think um that's an interesting point um with having this you know inbuilt level of happiness or having an inbuilt level of resilience and you can have you know two people who experience the same things and and perceive them completely differently i know two brothers who you know, had quite a challenging upbringing and, you know, just maybe unsupported upbringing would be. And one of the brothers just took it upon themselves to say, oh, OK, well, I'm not going to get that, that level of support that maybe I see my my friends get from their from their parents. So I'm just going to become extremely independent and, and I'm going to be very self-sufficient. And the other brother looked upon it as just, you know, was quite traumatized by it and felt you know felt unsupported and felt neglected so it's two people who experienced you know very much the same situation and reacted in completely different ways um, and mm. I guess that's down to an inbuilt level of resilience within them. I think yeah, it can I be um, and I think what I love about this conversation is it comes back to one of the first points I made about it being such a broad term with so many moving parts and so many different things that, that actually yeah, even in the absolutely. study it's very difficult to know exactly what's going on. Um, I do really like what has been said already about resilience being uh, a process because um, we, we've sort of it, we've sort of talked about it being a trait but we've also said that actually it's something that's very changeable and something that's impacted by any number of things. 
Um, and I do like to see it as being a, a process rather than an inherent trait uh, in that way, because for me, certainly, I know that it's very much been a journey and it's something that, you know, you can feel that you're moving forward on in some periods of time and, and absolutely not in other periods of time. But um, I think the knowing that it is something that you do have influence over is hugely important as long as that you're not then kind of using that to put pressure on yourself or thinking to yourself, oh, I should be further along than I am. I should be more resilient, you know, somehow than I am. Because like we said, there's so many different factors involved. Um, and knowing that context for yourself and your life, understanding what's going on around you, but also understanding yourself and who you are and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. That's a hugely important part of it as well. I think, and I'm saying that like it's easy and it's absolutely not easy to get that honest assessment, you know, honest, non-judgmental assessment of yourself in order to get that understanding. But that's a huge part of the context, I think, for me in knowing, you know, how and when are you resilient? What works for you? What doesn't work for you? You know, in one circumstance, you know, maybe you've been through exactly the same thing as somebody else and they're coping and you're not instead of kind of feeling that that's something negative about yourself and just kind of looking at it more closely and thinking, okay, well, you know, what, what's actually happening here? Or if I don't know, maybe just accepting the reality that, okay, well, this is something that, that today in this set of circumstances, I don't seem to be able to handle that. So what do I want to do? You know, all of that comes from that honesty and that appraisal of the context, I think. I like, I like that, Sarah. I think, I think, the whole thing is is you know you can have an event that you you know it's about knowing yourself you can have something that happens to you uh that will you know knock your feet from under you like you know with you know, obviously that you know the death of my mother would be such a circumstance and, and uh, i like your point of not beating yourself up about this because you're thinking oh this is this has really tested me and I think the inclination might be if you view yourself as a resilient person, which, you know, whatever that means, but I think I do. Um, if it takes the wind out of your sails a bit, you think, oh, yeah, I should cope with this. I should cope with this uh, better. And, um, you know, but it's a new experience uh, and a unique experience that, you know, that, is, and by the way, the impact is not all at one time. So I think it's it is very interesting to explore that of, of thinking, okay, I shouldn't beat myself up about feeling this way. You know, um, yeah, it's 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 entirely understandable, and not to put pressure on yourself. I very much agree with that point, Sarah. There's something really, uh, I guess, useful in just sitting with your feelings and being aware of them and understanding how they are impacting your actions or why you're behaving in a particular way, developing that emotional awareness, that emotional intelligence um, in order to, I guess, have uh, better control over your, yourself, I guess is the, probably the, the end game. Um, but that how that loops back into your, your perception of your that internal locus of control um and how you are in control of uh of of what's happening around you and you are you know you're not being de de defined or um 
impacted I suppose by your circumstances you know you can choose how to react to this this thing that's happening to you and you can you can choose to be sad and to and to to feel that that feeling deeply and and allow it to um you know bed in and 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 experience that in a very um productive way I think um but yeah I think it's that it's that locus of control for me and and um that's something that came out of a New Yorker article that I read recently um by Maria Konnikova um called how people learn to become resilient so she looks at the work by a, develop, a developmental psychologist um from the University of Minnesota called Norman Garmazy who um sadly passed away um early in his life due to early onset Alzheimer's um but he looked at the um the protective factors uh within an individual's background or personality to uh kind of facilitate success in navigating challenges that they faced um so yeah there's some very interesting work that's come out of that and really i think shifted the dial in how we think about um about the things that happen to us absolutely there's so many different studies and you know things to read and articles about about resilience um i, I feel like there's just there's too much um for one person to take in but it, there's and more all the time actually um but what i and just to go back to to what you said alison about how you know your experience of of grief um and you know having to sort of deal with that or to try to be resilient to that even though in that circumstance you actually don't always know how it's going to affect you on a day-to-day -day basis it's like you said you know it, it can sort of hit you completely unexpectedly or you can sort of feel fine one minute and, and not find the next um and i think it's certainly a big part of you know when you're looking at something like resilience is about that kind of um sort of having an attitude of well i don't really know uh this is going to be a bit of an experiment i don't actually know how resilient i'm going to be you know in this set of circumstances or you know where are the unknowns i'm not really sure and giving yourself the space to kind of accept that and acknowledge that i think is a really big part of of, of resilience certainly for me um and the other thing i think you said was about um the kind of um the, the rituals, the routines and the things that people would would normally do in a time of grief when when they've lost somebody and people have not been able to do those things, um, which is hugely significant and hugely impactful. Um, and, and people have sort of had to just get on with it and, you know, try and find a way to, to be OK with it. Um, sort of normal, normal routines, everything about normality has been completely upended. And so, you know, we've all been sort of plunged into this set of circumstances and then, you know, you start seeing things about resilience, but all of the, the content and all of the things about resilience up, up until this point has been sort of put together largely in a time when we weren't, we weren't all in this circumstance. And so I think that's really important as well. The fact that this is, this is new territory for, for all of us. And so the rules about resilience, I think largely have to be rewritten. I was literally going to say that, Sarah, do you think we're <laughs> going to have to rewrite the resilience rules? Because one of you know the, the questions I would have is, is, is resilience as a term overused? You know, so I thought it was so helpful, Hannah, giving the 
the Oxford English Dictionary version of def not version definition of resilience, which I don't feel is is how we would typically we typically use it in in that term in everyday language. But then who's to, who's to determine what a traumatic episode is? I mean, you know, we're all currently locked down in a in a in a pandemic. You know, that's pretty traumatic, isn't it? But it's 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 because it's ongoing. It's kind of well, we should just be used to this then. But it's you know, it's for many people ongoing trauma. You know, so I think I think there will be a. Um, a redefinition of that time and, and I, I was thinking as well about if we think of an object that's resilient you know it's 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 something it's an object that can withstand multiple knocks and still function there would be none of them might be traumatic in and of themselves but you know the fact that somebody is resilient is you feel that they're continuously getting knocks and still you know stand up to it but uh, I do feel resilience is a is a is an over overused overused term and, and I think we shall have to rewrite it post-covid absolutely I think um just what you said about an, an object or an item being being resilient is so interesting because it's really rare that we would talk about a, an object in that way completely free of of context uh, if we say that something's resilient, you know, in, almost immediately people would think, well, to what? <laughs> you know, in what set of circumstances is something resilient? The example I always come back to is if you took your car to the garage with the tyres completely shredded um, and you said, oh, you know, these tyres, they're just they're completely unresilient. Uh, the people at the garage are unlikely to be very sympathetic to you if you add, and I've been driving over broken glass every single day. You know, because that that kind of illustrates the context in which you're working. They're not going to turn to you and say, yeah, those tyres are unresilient. They're going to say, well, could you stop driving over broken glass every day? Um, and yet I think with this this kind of term resilience, which, as you said, Alison, is quite overused. We all in our lives end up sort of cancelling out that context when we talk about how resilient we might be as people. There may be any number of circumstances in our lives where we might be doing things in a way which is not very positive or even actually harmful um, for ourselves and still kind of expecting resilience in those circumstances is not actually a very good idea. There are some circumstances we probably shouldn't become resilient to. Um, yeah mm. that that's a that is uh that is a really good point sarah that you, we we shouldn't yeah we shouldn't become resilient to you know to oh, to, to to you know certain circumstances and i and i and i think as well i mean um hannah shared an article with me um and the interesting thing around measuring or talking about resilience was that um often it was looked at where people were clearly identified as, as having um un, you know been subjected to a, a an you know an un, you know an unpleasant situation be it an ongoing situation or an, or something that's happened to them and uh but actually the often the people that were very resilient were where you didn't know that had happened and they're just quietly going about their lives being phenomenally resilient and who knew because we would be unaware of you know 
somebody's background. Um, mm. It's framing, isn't it? And 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 yes. and, and context as well. Um, you know, do I perceive this event to be traumatic? In which case, probably it's going to feel like a knock. Whereas if I perceive it as part of life and, you know, the day to day things I've got to deal with and within my sphere of control, then um, then maybe I, uh, I, I it doesn't feel like something that's damaging to me. Um, I, I wonder if we hold ourselves um, as as humans to uh, a very high standard uh, when it comes to resilience um, and whether or not actually we use resilience as a way of um, uh, almost like a get out of like like a get out of jail free card or a, or a cop out um, for the things that negatively impact our resilience like for example um, you know, uh, uh, um, a manager, for example, who maybe requires us to work much longer hours than than we we should, and and for a much longer period of time than we should, and therefore, you know, is compromising our our work life balance and impacting on our resilience and our um, our I don't know sense of self and well being and, and all of that stuff. Absolutely, I think that that really resonates with me, especially like I say about looking at it in context you know is the set of circumstances we're in normal and acceptable and you know we should be able to cope with it or is it actually harmful um because the context really does does matter and the other side of it is of course that um even if you know all of us worked on our personal resilience every single day you know did all the workshops read all the articles read all the books did all the exercises it's not a kind of a constant line going up where at some point we will be so resilient to literally everything in the world that we are superhuman. That's not really how resilience works. Um, we're still finite individuals. We're still human. Um, it's kind of like, you know, any law of physics, you know, if you put enough weights on top of anything in the universe, eventually that thing will collapse. And I think that that is a that is a reality that we we all have to deal with. And we need to be careful, really, when we look at things like resilience, that we're not kind of expecting, you know, something that just simply isn't possible. Or like I say, that is just a set of circumstances that is harmful, because if you worked in a in a building that was that was unsafe, um, the answer to that is to get out of the building. It's not to become resilient to asbestos in the building <laughs> nobody's ever going to tell you that's a good idea there are some circumstances we should simply look to avoid and to protect ourselves and protect other people from and I think that what you said about um you know working practices working long hours at the moment I would say we we all need to be especially conscious of that in the current set of circumstances uh, we're working from home a lot of us are working from home it's very easy for you know your work life to to completely take over. I know that I've found that myself, and uh, without that understanding of what's going on and what is normal and what isn't normal and what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable, uh, you can you know find yourself in a circumstance where you think I should be coping, I should be coping. You know, why on why am I feeling tired? Why am I feeling upset? When actually it's completely normal for you to be feeling that way because you're expecting way too much of yourself. Mm. 
I love that analogy about the building. You know, there's only so much you can reinforce the walls and the roof <laughs> before before it all comes crashing down. Um, I completely agree about the um, uh, about everything you were saying there. And um, COVID, I think in particular, has just has just completely changed life, and we are collectively experiencing the trauma of that. And we are trying to navigate the the challenges um, that that you know we're all home working. I know lots of people aren't, um, but the challenges that come with with um, our lives being disrupted in this way. And um, and actually, I'm personally finding that I don't always have the energy and the the, the headspace and capacity to call a friend uh, after work or or cook a you know spend an hour cooking a meal um and and sometimes i just need to like accept that actually i can't do everything and life is different and whereas i used to be able to go out to you know socialize and to work events and you know whatever three four five times a, a week i can't i can't even <laughs> bring myself to speak to some friends sometimes um and that's okay and actually it's 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 unique and extenuating circumstances and they are here to stay unfortunately and we just have to protect ourselves I think during this time. I, I agree I think I you know manage um, a, a team of, of people and uh, uh, and I you know and they all have you know different circumstances that they're living through Covid in and I make you know and everybody you know has days when they're just feeling pretty rubbish and I'm all for let's just acknowledge this is really horrible of course you're going to feel rubbish today you know and the number of times you said oh I'm so glad you've said that you know it's almost like I've given them permission but I'm you know I'm with you Hannah you just got to acknowledge that you know I don't have this in the tank at the moment um you know I am going to feel not great and and it's all right to feel that way and and you know we all need to make allowances for our colleagues and our you know team and actually the colleagues point is, is I find quite interesting as well is you know there's been a couple of times where people who I work with quite closely have behaved differently and I'm like oh oh okay but then I think you know what they've got a lot of goodwill in the bank and if they're having a bad day today that's okay you know let's let's just acknowledge that because it's this is clearly other circumstances it's clearly the, the bizarre circumstances we're living in that that has have have caused that and uh, let's all give each other a bit of a break including ourselves i think that's so important just just keeping that awareness and also you know it sounds as if you've you've communicated that to other people in your team and said that you you know you want to acknowledge that which is so impactful um because actually it's very very easy to not do that or, or to think well you know there's no point talking about it there's no point acknowledging it we do, we all just have to get on with it which yes we do but actually you know by not acknowledging it you're sort of requiring people to take on that kind of weirdness the kind of sense of the the surreal nature of what's going on and completely deal with it themselves individually not to have that kind of shared experience which which is really important in in helping people to feel that you know the way that they're feeling is is normal 
And actually, I think that helps a lot with resilience, with, with true resilience, really, because, you know, authentic resilience, it's not optimism. Um, because, you know, staying optimistic and, and sort of overly positive in all, all circumstances can actually be quite exhausting um, and can make things even harder um, in order to sort of deal with the situation that we're in. You know, false hope is 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 definitely something that is going to make that more tough, because I think especially around Christmas time when they started saying, oh, yes, you can see people. No, you can't. And it all went backwards and forwards. That kind of hope in that situation. I think that was really, really tough for people. I think that was even harder than, you know, the sense that we just have to sort of carry on and, and, and deal with things as they are. Uh, because in order to sort of plan in this situation or to feel any kind of sense of control or, you know, to have a, a sense of flexibility about about anything, really, you need that kind of realism. You need that reality check of, oh, OK, you know, yes, this is not normal. Yes, this is very difficult. Uh, and I've had somebody else now confirm that for me, which I think is really important. I did find that I did find that difficult, though, Sarah, to to start with. And also, you know, being being a mum and having I felt this was self-imposed, this sort of role model. I've got to make it all right for my family. And then I just had this liberating, you know what, mum's not great today. Today is rubbish. It's not all right. Um, it will be. But it was really quite liberating to, you know, to have that uh, to have that revelation of just once you realise you're going to overcome it, you know, because these are such strange circumstances, you don't know, you know, how you're going to feel. But uh, it was a liberating experience. And I guess it goes back to your point as well, Sarah, about community is that, you know, your work community. So with my team, you know, making it OK for them to feel rubbish and just say, you know what, just finish work a couple of hours early today. You know, you, you're you're not you, you you know you're not in the game. You don't have to push yourself. This is just too tough today. That's okay. Um, we're yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it 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 strengthens things as a group, as a team at work. Um, and like you say, I mean, it it does sound like it was a really brave thing for you to do to be honest about that because uh, I don't know if it, it's um. It's just something you can fall into, isn't it? That you think, right, I have to be strong. I have to show, you know, that everything's fine. I can't show how I actually feel about this because otherwise, you know, people will be uncomfortable. They won't like it. It will be awkward. But actually what you're doing in, in being honest and open is uh, you're, you're hel helping people to be more honest with themselves and you're helping people to feel supported and, you know, validated. And it's it's just it, it shouldn't be seen as as wrong or, you know, problematic to need help from other people or to be finding things difficult um but yeah no i completely understand that that pressure to still be seen to be okay but i think it's difficult sometimes because you know in in that circumstance i know you know we've all maybe looked around at, at, at people who are, are outwardly appearing sort of everything's fine yeah let's just crack on but you kind of know that something's going on with that person you know you kind of know that they're under stress but they're just not wanting to say anything or they're feeling the pressure themselves and that can be really difficult for a team as well when somebody, you know, you kind of know that they need help, but they're just not saying anything about it. I think that's very difficult, too. Mm, I agree. And I think um, that approach, Alison, is uh, demonstrating that you're human and that it's OK for your team to be human. And, you know, when things aren't OK, like that's still OK, you know, you you don't have to be on all the time. You don't have to constantly be on the ball. Um, and um, 
uh, so yeah, I think it's an important it's an important way of cultivating psychological safety, actually, and and um, you know the ability to be authentic at work. Um, uh, you touched kind of on this concept of toxic positivity, which I don't know loads about, but I've just read a little bit about recently, and and it feels like a a really damaging. A uh, way of um, uh, damaging outlook or damaging way of of, of approaching things and and this kind of uh, relentless um, yeah positivity and and um, the need to have a um, a positive outlook um, and everything being okay and this you know this this thing which I'm absolutely guilty of of saying. Um, life's really hard for me and I'm really struggling and you know I'm not, I'm not feeling my best but there's someone worse off than me there are tons of people worse off more worse off than me and actually you know I still have a job and I have a home and I have food in the fridge and I have family and friends who love me and and actually that's it's okay to feel like your own circumstances are uh, you know are not favorable and it's 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 really okay to 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 sit with that and and you know as we've said you know be be okay with not feeling okay that's really true it's it's rarely a good idea to push back on how you feel about things because uh, i i think we might have mentioned this earlier on but um you know you you have a lot of um control and influence over how you behave what you choose to do um but not over how you feel um, and pushing down on feelings and, you know, telling yourself that you're not allowed to feel the way you do. I don't really think that there's actually any good outcome to that. Um, it doesn't mean we should always act on our feelings or see them as being more valid than, than other people's feelings. Um, but it does mean that, you know, in, if you're in a set of circumstances where you know that you're not feeling so good, or you know that you're feeling sad or angry about something, it, it's not a good idea to tell yourself that you don't feel the way you do. Because actually, I think, you know, coming back to resilience, um, you know, the ability to be able to, to take control of a situation relies very much on being honest with where you're at. Um, you can't really do much unless you're able to acknowledge how you feel about a particular set of circumstances. Uh, but the toxic positivity thing is is so interesting because you know I think I think all of us have been guilty of that at some point of just trying to kind of make it through with a sort of slight kind of forced nature of you know always wanting to put a brave face on things and and sometimes it's just about getting through the day because you've just decided you don't really want to talk about anything <laughs> and so you're going to tell everybody that you're fine when actually you're not uh, but but if it goes on for too long, you know, if you're really never finding any time when you can actually say how you really feel, I think that's when that's when you know something's gone wrong. Yeah, I'm just interested to know um, how you have, you know, how the other people have you and you know Sarah and Hannah, how you've found any changes in the way that you've had to work, um, and and how you've had to re use resilience to do that because I mean you know if I look at I look at my role as you know working in marketing with a team of you know creative people and suddenly so many of the channels you know that we would use to connect with people are either um, not available to us or 
you know, they've been digitally saturated by everybody else doing the same thing. And so I think, you know, I've had to show, you know, I was thinking about resilience in the workplace and I've had to show resilience in terms of, you know, how can I be creative to still do my job effectively? Um, which is which is to communicate, you know, what our organisation does and, and to, you know, generate interest and awareness and opportunity. How can I do that in this in this new world um, where, you know, we can't use the traditional the traditional methods? And equally, how do I communicate that internally to to, you know, my the key stakeholders internally and say, you know what, we're going to do this differently and we're going to be measured a different way. So I've I found I've had to dig deep and be creative and resilient to, to keep delivering, you know, under the current circumstances. And I'm wondering, you know, as as if if you two have have had to rethink what you do um under, you know, the COVID um umbrella that we're under at the moment. Um, well, one one circumstance I've had to deal with is the fact that um, I started at uh, Methods Analytics in October. So actually starting a, a, a brand new job at a brand new uh, company under these circumstances was, was quite an experience really. And I had absolutely no idea what to expect from a sort of virtual onboarding experience um you know in terms of how the, the company itself had adapted in terms of what they might have expected under normal circumstances versus what they now expect under these new circumstances so it adds quite a steep learning curve on top of what is already quite a steep learning curve because when you start a new job you know everything's new but now you've got this set of circumstance where the other people on your team you know, they know each other, but they, they don't know this current set of circumstances because how somebody, you know, how somebody is when you see them in an office every day is completely different to how you interact with a team, you know, uh, remotely. So I think, you know, to an extent, I suppose we're all we're all in the same boat, you know, as far as that goes. So for me, it's just been a massive experiment, really, from start to finish. Um, I knew for me that certain things were going to work, such as having a routine uh you know being able to stick to to doing things at certain times of the day uh blocking out time in the calendar in order to sort of get my head down and get work done and make sure that i haven't got sort of too many meetings popping up uh which is a massive challenge i think for all of us now is the fact that we're sitting in front of of teams or zoom or whatever it is all, all day long um so those things have definitely helped but overall it's just been the kind of sense that i'm going to need to to yeah, treat this as an experiment, uh, take my time and, you know, just give myself a lot of space to, to just see how I'm doing week to week, really. And I think that's probably quite similar for, for a lot of other people as well. Mm, I started at Methods during lockdown as well. And um, I actually had a, um, I found the onboarding excellent and it really, um, Set, certainly set the bar high for for remote onboarding experiences um in terms of uh ways uh, you know of coping with this situation and kind of supporting my own resilience i think generally as a consultant the work hasn't changed massively um our interaction with clients is obviously all online and i've got one client who that does not um no one puts their video on so I find that's um, 
uh, that's possibly an indication of how resilient they're feeling. Um, uh, but that that does feel like a barrier in terms of connection and um, developing relationships. Um, I think it takes longer to to get things uh, to get things done. You know, you can't you can't get in a room with with a bunch of people and put some stuff up on the walls and start post-sitting. And, and so that's, um, you know, that's, uh, I guess, a barrier to our ways of working or, or certainly a, a reason we've had to pivot. Um, I also find sitting at the screen all day and, you know, my breaks from the screen are so much shorter because my bathroom is so much closer to <laughs> my desk. My kitchen is so much closer to my desk than it would be in an office. Um, so screen breaks are definitely an issue and, and you know, all meetings are online and, um, and you know, then I'm not going out in the evening to see friends or anything. So I then finish work and at some point in the evening I stick the telly on and I'm in front of another screen. <laughs> so way too much screen time and I'm not really sure how to, um, how to minimise that. Um, um, I've certainly found that um, having like a good routine and switching off from work at a good time has helped um, and um, has really supported, I guess, my well-being, getting, you know, enough sleep and also having kind of, um, you know, regular meal times. Because often I would be working and so busy that I wouldn't be having lunch until half past two, three o'clock and, and then everything's closed and, and you can't find any lunch anywhere. Um, so um, I also love having hot lunches, like like soup or, you know, eggs or, you know, something um, warm, I think, particularly through the winter has, um, has, has, and it's a silly thing, but actually that feeling of um, putting warm food inside your body when um, actually you're just sat down all day and so you're you know you're not generating any heat and um, it's a very comforting feeling and I, I think that is a you know a very small but um, important way that I've sort of um, increased my resilience and, and sort of stayed feeling positive actually um, although you know not all the time <laughs> it's a hard it's been a hard year <laughs> Yeah, I've had uh, dog walking has helped me. Dogs, you know, are just joyous. So that's that's kept me, you know, feeling resilient because A, you have to go out because I take your point. You do sit a long time and feel cold. And and it's, it's quite interesting you're saying about the hot food and the comfort. I, I'm wondering if we were sort of more aware of our, you know, physical state and, and the, the other, because we're bereft of so many other stimulations that we 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 were used to having. I, are we more conscious of ourselves? I'm I'm not sure, but I totally relate to that feeling of warmth of of you know putting hot food inside your body. And and then for me, it's the the smile that just plays upon my face the minute I see my dog running off and chasing after a ball because they are the most present creatures. You know, they live at that moment and full of joy that um, I may walk out of here with thinking I'm really upset about you know cross about something or irritated and then I'm you know I've got a smile on my face so uh, because this dog's you know made me smile and uh, supported my resilience. Mm. I, I don't have a dog but I grew up with dogs and I love dogs. Mm. Absolutely love I'd love to have a dog. <laughs> you can come and borrow um, mine, Hannah. <laughs> thank you. Will you yeah, bor borrow my doggy, borrow Alison's doggy.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
fab. Um, I'm getting a bad quality network notification. Is my sound coming through clear? I can still hear you. Yeah, right, I can we'll hear you. Yeah. Okay. So um, I guess just to wrap up this conversation, then um, it would be good to know if you have any takeaways that you um, have gotten from this conversation that that you want to take forward um, and uh, uh, you know any any insights or any any I don't know food for thought that you're going to go away and 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 think more about or look into I think it's just been really good to have a, a space to talk about this as a topic because as I say that it, it's come up so much and I think particularly in the last year and so being able to sort of dig into it a bit more with other people is something that I find really really helpful um, because I'm sure there's going to be you know plenty more sort of articles and, and things along the way about what we do to sort of cope with this situation we're all in uh, for however much longer um, so it's good to sort of get that sense of, of what it means to people. Similarly, sharing, you know, having this space to, to share my thoughts on, on the topic and the thought that, you know, context is everything uh, and and the also the sense of community. Uh, I like that, Sarah, that, you know, that the, the, the fact that you articulated that and how for me, that's just that would be a takeaway for me that that is so important um, to bolstering one's uh, resilience. So I think that, you know, your community and they can be several of them, you know, your working community, your family community, your friends community. And, you know, and it's always great to share with people that where we just agree, you know, it's all right to feel, you know, to sit with those emotions, you know, that's that's okay and not beat oneself up so those would be my takeaways mm, yeah those three things context community and not one size fits all I think they're um that's a really good kind of trio of to frame um you know your personal resilience context or you know when you're thinking about resilience in terms of others I'm going to take away um that actually we should talk about this more and we should be um, a bit more open about um, our levels of resilience and when we ask it's that thing of asking people three times how they are um, and you know the first time you might get the brush off and the second time you might get you know another brush off or you know a, a, a one word answer or a you know, a brief answer. And then it's the third time when actually you 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 get to delve under those layers and find out what's really going on. And I think being able to openly talk about how we're doing and um, and accept that, you know, it's OK to feel not OK. Um, uh, that's that's one thing I want to take forward into my kind of um, both kind of professional and personal relationships, I think. Um, fab. Well, it's been wonderful to to hear from you both, and um, I really appreciate you uh, giving up your time and and talking to me today about this topic. And thank you for all your insights. Um, and happy International Women's Day! And to you as well. Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone too.